beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at Clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. It's not another Buffalo podcast with Logical John. I saw Patrick Mahomes do some pretty reckless stuff and no one's calling him sugar high. Funny guy, Pat. How'd you like to be Trevor Lawrence though? You're like, all right, man, here I go. First overall pick. I'm going to Florida. I'm from the panhandle, seeing my mom and dad every weekend. And then it's like, you just signed up for a job. And in the interview, they were like, oh, we like to have a lot of fun here. You know, and then you get the job the first day at work and the entire cubicle's on fire and your boss is taking a dump on the carpet. And Stats Guy Brando. We have, we have this trust built uh, on, you know, whatever it is, like Bibles and gold bricks and whatever it is, Brandon Bean's drinking over there. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Not Another Buffalo Podcast, part of the Buffalo Rumbling Network. Uh, my name is John. I'm here with Pat and Brando. You can find us on Twitter at NotBuffPodcast. How was the game yesterday? Did you guys have fun? Definitely, yeah, man. Pat, how was your fan experience? No, it was pretty good. I was pretty nervous there in like um, the first two quarters. And um, Bronx Randy was pulling. Um, he was pulling a, a move where he was sitting with us and his tickets were on the other side of the stadium. And we were like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know what's giving us more anxiety, like waiting for someone to like say, yo, that's my seat or watching the Bills <laughs> just like s- just sit on their hands. But, you know, by the second half, it was good. And the weather was good by the time we left, which I mean, I would have rather had bad weather for the game and good weather when we left instead of, you know, good weather for the game and you know bad weather when we leave and a bills loss so yeah good how was your uh, how was your accessibility experience oh let me tell you dude it was fate it was literally uh, an act of god that brought me and pat together just like we turned the corner i got up to leave at just the right time and i put an extra sugar in my coffee and like i turned the corner and pat caps right there (laughs) it was dude i didn't call him or anything Like we're trying to find our seats and I just hear someone, Pat! and then it was, it was Brando dude. And he helped us find our seats. He was very helpful. And, um, all those ADA guidelines were just withheld. So just the, the, the way that he upheld the, the accessibility of the stadium, I think was really honorable and that anyone who, you know what I mean? Has concerns about their disability getting in the way of their Buffalo Bills experience. I'm just here to tell you guys that that is not the case. And um, one of the most uh, accessible stadiums I've ever been into. And, you know, I've, I've probably been to about a dozen major sports stadiums. So, yeah, that's such kind words, buddy. That's such kind words, you know, such kind words. Hey, man, I've been to Heinz Field. I've been to Heinz Field. They wouldn't they wouldn't push anyone, dude. If you were a visitor, they'd literally probably make you sit out <laughs> front and like block off the ramps. So. Yeah. Well, I think that there that's one of those stadiums that has those big spiral concourses, right? <laughs> that go down the side, you know, so they just they just put you at the top and, and let, let you go. go. <laughs> that's yeah. frowned upon in my industry. <laughs> I would uh, assume so. <laughs> well, Pat leaves out the part where like I got him to the ramp to the 300 level and I was like, yeah, buddy, I, this is where we part ways because <laughs> like I'm not pushing you up this ramp right now, my friend. No, dude, uh, it was it was but, a risky move because I was like, well, how do I get out of this wheelchair without anyone thinking that like I just was faking getting pushed around and like, you know, it was a, it was a clean break, but yeah. <laughs> he was, no, dude, Brando just, pushed me so up funny. like... And, and then, <laughs> Like 
that slant, dude. Like a 45 degree angle hill, dude. <laughs> you got to get low and work the booty, man. Work the booty. But I was literally walking back that way anyway. So it's right back where my gate is, right by gate six. So you're you're 50 yards out on the way. So, Appreciate it, uh, But it was well, really hopefully cool. Your calves, yeah. Hopefully your calves are in better shape than John Feliciano's after yesterday's game. Great so, transition, yeah. man. That's He's got awesome, Josh Allen calves, but. dude. <laughs> I don't know about that, man, but, you know, somewhere in between, you know, Singletary and Cole Beasley, we'll call it a good day. So what do you guys like make of the offensive line at this point? Because like, I don't know, they didn't have an amazing day yesterday. And John Feliciano, even despite getting injured, hasn't looked very great this year. And it's looked like kind of a a weak point at that side of the line. And Daryl Williams is like our, you know, him and Mitch Morse have been holding down the fort this year. So do you guys think that the Bills are going to try to make a run at a guard during this trade deadline, or do you think they'll just let it fly and, and go with what they got? Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Because there's a lot of, I mean, they've shuffled it a lot the past two years, and yeah, it's, it seems hard to find something that's really stuck. I think overall they have not played good. Like you said, Dion's, and it's funny that you didn't mention him, good or bad, in that because I think he's been average. So, you know, we don't. he doesn't need to be criticized nor heroized that's not the word but you know what I yeah mean. Her- uh, heralded uh, herald heroicized <laughs> heroicized yes yes <laughs> if spencer brown comes back and he's healthy i think it is just maybe a little bit of an overreaction after this game and the, the thing about it the reason why i call it an overreaction is because when teams blitz josh allen he throws 19 yard touchdown pass to stefan diggs like oh, sorry like <laughs> you can blitz me my line can suck he's still gonna score a touchdown uh He's proven that throughout at least even in his first year. Do you remember he's running for his life? He hit, he hits all those rushing yards because his line was so bad. Uh, this is a guy that we're seeing it happen right now. But if in the future with his big contract, they're going to have to make cuts somewhere. It's going to be the line because you have the quarterback that can move and get out and still throw the ball into the blitz. But for this specific window as a Super Bowl contender, you have to you have to do something, right? It's not working. If you always do what you always done, you're always going to get what you always got. And yeah, two games now that pressure could have impacted the game. Yeah, for sure. And it makes us miss Wyatt Teller, doesn't it? Like Wyatt Teller is over. Dude, I can't even think about him like killing it. And I, I know could have, would have, should have, but, and I, I forget. Do we remember what that pick turned into? I think it was a fifth or a sixth round pick, sixth round pick, maybe. No, I have no idea. I don't remember. I don't remember who that pick turned into. Nothing obviously memorable. So we clearly lost that. (laughs) Yeah. One of the few misses of of the the McBean era. But I mean, I I think. But if you think about it, too, I mean, they get a pass. Think about his line, his lineman drafting. Right. He's been pretty good at everything else. Like he's got good guards minus Cody Ford. I mean, even Cody Ford has value as a guard if if they missed on him at tackle. But. Who else they got? They got Deion Dawkins. They got. I mean, Bucker Darryl played Williams, pretty well. Draft like I think he was Bucker Spencer Brown. He was an unsung hero. I, I I remember watching. I think it would have been, geez, like second half. Um, you know, after Cole Beasley just had like an insane stretch of converting third downs, um, where Mitch Morris and Ike Bucker got out in front of Josh on a quarterback power. And I mean, dude, they like. I mean, Josh was running as fast as he could, dude, and like. They were in front of him by like five yards, dude. Those boys were getting, they were getting for real. Yeah. Is, and it was good. nice of Feliciano to top that off with a, a cut block on the outside, which is new this year. So that was, that was kind of a bummer, but 
I'm glad you brought out the bootleg, though, because if you think about it, you know, that's a very strong part of our offense when Josh gets on the outside. But obviously our run game was not succeeding running between the tackles yesterday or previously, really, outside of a couple bursts from here here and there. Uh, but the coaching, they have to know that. Like, Josh is getting – he's making the right decision because the box is not stacked. They have five, six-man boxes because they have – they have to respect the passing game. So the right decision as a quarterback is to run in that. And when I say that, I mean the defensive linemen, they only have five or six guys between the hash marks, between the tackles where the running back would run. So that gives you an advantage because you have more blockers than there could be tacklers. But the running backs aren't getting to that second level where that they can make that effective. And Josh needs to be able to say, which is so tricky, though, because if he starts audibling out of runs because the line's playing bad. Do you really want your line to th- to think you're not confident in them? So it's like they can they can run the ball, they can hold back a little bit. I think they should they should pass the ball more, but I think like they said, Dable said he's holding he was holding on to stuff for that Kansas City game to, for his game plan. So I think this could be one of those games in the middle of the season that you're like, okay, they didn't need to do their best. They didn't have to do this. So they ran the ball a lot, but it, Running the ball between the tackles is bad for this line when getting them outside is more of a pro. I was going to say the only thing that really worries me is that, I mean, yes, the running backs did play poorly. And yes, Josh Allen did lead the team in rushing. But like, it's kind of scary because, I mean, you look back even to like, you know, Tony Sperano in the Wildcat days. The reason if you have a quarterback that's going to lead your team in rushing, I mean, you're getting an extra blocker every time your quarterback runs the ball. So it's like, I mean, I don't know. That's that's the concerning part to me is like, yes, Josh Allen could run the ball well, but also he had an extra blocker. And like when that, you know what I mean? When they don't have that extra blocker, it seems like, and they didn't run a lot of two back set either, which was, I don't know, but. It seems like they make, when they play Miami, at least this year, they've made a conceded effort to run because it, it, you know, they just know that the offense on the other side isn't going to outscore them. It's not going to be a a shootout. And I think that was one of the reasons they were so sluggish in the first half. And we can get into some of the other reasons as well, because I definitely want to get your guys' point of view about why that first half was so bad. But yeah, I it seems like they're like really trying to stuff the rock down people's throats in games where they think that, you know, the opponent doesn't match up uh, as, you know, or stack up as well on offense as they do. And so thank goodness it didn't bite him in the butt or anything like that. But I mean, it, it makes sense. The only thing that I, I I'll say is I love as much as the next guy, you know, Josh out on those QB sweeps and stuff like that. But gosh, I hold my breath every single time because you know that that's your season on the line out there. And you know that, you know, through no fault of his own, Josh is such a competitor that he's willing to take a couple hits. He's going to go one-on-one up against the linebacker, especially if there's a first down or a touchdown involved. And so that's, that's just a little bit scary because I mean, obviously injuries are, you know, can be freak incidents that are through no fault of your own and, and stuff like that. Like we saw happen to Jamius yesterday and um, Derek Henry as well. But you just don't want to be, you know, you don't want something to happen on one of those plays and then be looking back and say, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, maybe shouldn't have run that in a game where it wasn't the difference in the game. You know, I, I think they needed it yesterday. They needed a spark. But hopefully in this next stretch of quote unquote easy games, they're not just going to run Josh to death because I I think that they can beat teams a number of ways. And I wouldn't pick that as my poison per se. I don't know what you guys think, but you said it 
on the head. You said the first two most important things, first downs and touchdowns, and you should only run Josh on third down and two goal situations. And I'll stand by that forever because you have this guy who could be the best running quarterback of all time at the end of his career. Cause after his touchdown on Sunday, it, it put him in the third place all time. So, you know, he's in good company in his first 50 starts for touchdowns. Um, and I, you know what? He didn't need to do that either. I think they could have ran the clock out, which was super funny because I was sitting there watching it from the end zone on the other side. And I'm like, that's not victory formation. Uh, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's get it. Who's getting it? Let's smush these fishies. Sends them home in a in a little piss pot as or what does he say? Piss hot as Deion Dawkins said in his post game <laughs> conference uh, as what they called it on the team. And Josh just takes it in and it's like you know he just did that and it that touchdown tied him for uh, the third for that record mark. But it was funny because like that's not needed. They could they could have bled the clock out, but he could he just ran it in anyways, basically untouched. Yeah, it was it was cool to see. And then obviously the flex and, and the great picture that ensued after that. But it's not my background on everything. So <laughs> and cover photo and everything. So do you guys have any more thoughts on on why you think the Bills looked so sluggish in that first half and, and why it was such a slow start coming off the bye? Because I honestly expected the opposite. I thought that they were going to come out, you know, angry at, at that last loss. And I'm sure they were and, and they did by the end of the day. But why do you think it was it was such a slow start? I mean, I think some of it is the line play. I mean, watching those first couple of series, Josh really was. I mean, he was he was having to dance around there in the pocket a little bit, and you know he did get sacked. Um, I think it was in the first quarter. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's one of those deals. I mean, Brando was at the game too. Like the weather was, it was terrible. Like to start off the game, it was like forty degrees, maybe forty five, like raining. It was definitely wet. Yeah, it was wet also for sure. But it, I mean, I don't know. Josh has got a towel on his belt. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I agree with what you said that the line could have played better. There was pressure, but they also, I don't know, just the, the conservative play calling last year, we ran the ball on second down the least amount in the league. Like I'm cool. If you want to run it on first down or even on third down, because you passed on second down and picked up eight yards and it's third and one, right? Those are the times I'm cool running the ball, like very situational game based, but when you're running it on second and eight and then you get third and seven and the, those are putting your quarterback in tough situations, it's putting your line in bad situations and Brian Dable should know better. Uh, but again, we talked about it like maybe they have a whole Josh has probably got a whole storage bin of plays that he wants to run and uh, he's saving them for the times that matter. And it looked like a, it looked like a very vanilla offense as well. Like, I mean, not super vanilla. And honestly, like I might do the same thing if I'm Brian Dable. I don't think that situationally his play calling was was that great. But, you know, we're we're sitting on our couch, so it's a lot easier to judge that. But uh, yeah, it just seemed like he didn't feel like he needed to pull out all the stops. And who can blame him? I mean, you're looking at the stretch now where the Bills outclass all these teams in talent, coaching and all this stuff. And through all the levels of your roster, like their backups are probably if it was backups versus backups for these games, they'd probably be close. Like even if we have Josh, we win. But like, yeah, you know, you could put Kumaro, McKenzie and Davis out there and Josh still probably has 300 yards. Passing. Yeah, no, easy. And, and that's why I'm sure they just don't want to put too much on film, you know, which is a tough balance to strike because you definitely don't want to. It's chess, bro. It's big level. chess. It is, it is for sure. I like it though. I like that Dable's that means he's got balls, bro. Like he's like 
Got the swag. Dude, this guy calls into WGR today yelling about how the Bills need to run the ball more. And he hopes Brian Dable will be able to find the job after his performance this season in, in the Bills. <laughs> and Mike Shropes like yelling at him on the mic because it's like, and I just couldn't believe this guy. Somebody had to pay this guy to just say this stupid stuff on the air. Because like Brian Dable deserves everything that he's going to get as a head coach. Uh, so does Leslie Frazier. We've talked about that before. Um, but I agree, man. They've they've seen it. They've been in that offense together for four years. The defense, Leslie Frazier says the players finish his sentences. So these players know that there's so much more to the playbook than what they're calling. So, you know, it's got to be. They just they have that swagger that Bill Belichick used to have or, you know, Ron Rivera when he was 15 and one with the Panthers or Sean Payton with Drew Brees. We have that swag right now that you can do that. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of knee jerk reactions going on when it comes to like, I've, I've heard Eric bien brought up in this conversation as well, where people are like, you know, like I'm not ready to hand them a head coaching job, you know, next year with their struggles this year. Cause just because they haven't been as outstanding as they were last year, supposedly. But again, I think it's very situational. I mean, gosh, I, I it's just, you can't have too much of a knee-jerk reaction on one game. Brian Dable has had what we we'd call a bad game here and there. You know, it, it happens. Leslie Frazier, you know, like Sean McDermott took over defensive play calling a couple of years ago. You know, and it's not like we're like, oh, Le-. that was his first season, and they that was a an awesome thing that he did. That that was cool when he did that, and the Bills defense like shut everybody out. It was like that scene from Remember the Titans. Yeah, they will not gain another yard, <laughs> and then they literally didn't score another point. Yeah, and it's not because like, it's not because Leslie Frazier was any in any way not fit for the situation or, or incompetent or anything like that. Sometimes you just need to switch it up to give it a, a spark or something new. So, you know. Do you think I wish this would be fun to be a bug on the wall? Like, do you think Ken Dorsey is in a different room? Is he like, did they let him come up with Brian Dable? Did they let him sit next to Brian Dable? Is he on the sideline? Did it change game to game? Uh, that would be something that I would be fascinated to like check out. Or if anybody knows that to comment on. Um, yeah. The, honestly, that, that's see, interesting. See where he's at. You know, we could have our, you know, the next, Don Granado of of coaching, uh, yeah, just waiting in the wings. <laughs> coaching promotions, waiting in the wings. Yeah, so I think there's like a whole dichotomy to it, though. Too, I remember like before the season, Davis Webb talking about like him and Josh watch like an insane amount of film. So I imagine like it's like a delegation from like Dable being like, okay, you know, I've looked at these tendencies. I want you guys to watch X and X amount of film. Write down whatever tendencies regarding you know blitzing, whatever packages, and then like him going from that, but. I don't know. It's, it's hard to know. I, it probably isn't like a standard, like office management workplace delegation, but that, that would be like my first, my first idea. It's super interesting. Like that, that complex of there's 30 teams in the NFL. Oh, there's 33, 32 teams in the NFL. <clears throat> um, and now you, how 32 different coaches manage their program, because it's like you get coaches that in your meetings, I mean, Sean McDermott only has so much time in a day. So you sit down with your 20 position coaches and their assistants, and you say, this is what I want done. This is how you're going to do it. And then they go to their players and so on and so forth. But like, if you're a head coach, at least for me, like I want my players to know that I care about what they're doing. So I would want to be in every one of them. And, and you have to hire people that you can represent yourself in those meetings. And that's why it's so interesting because Brian Dable, before he comes to Buffalo, he has 
the 30th, 29th, 27th ranked offense in these conservative run schemes. Wait, where, he was a national champion when he, was, when he came to the Buffalo Bills from Alabama. Well, when he went to Alabama, he had this different type of offense, but he also has Tua and uh, who else did he have? Who's running backs that he uh, had over there? Like he, he's, he's no, playing he on an NFL junior dudes. team, so... And he, he he called that play call for Tua in the championship game, the the fade down the sideline to show like he can be aggressive, he can be conservative. It's just what is their room like? Because I feel like they blend so well together with the way that they call games. McDermott was conservative, but then they go for it on fourth and one. So it's like like what are their conversations like in the room? Yeah, I really think that you know we have this whole like um, repeated phrase that we repeat all the time that it's just like you know like people come to Buffalo to become the best version of themselves. I think that's not only true for players, but that's sure as hell true for coaches. Because if you look at everybody top to bottom on this coaching staff, Sean McDermott included, like Sean McDermott has improved as a coach. You can look back at some of his, you know, in-game management from his first year and he's gotten way better with that stuff. You know, he listens to the analytics. His decision making has been better. Leslie Frazier, I feel like, has gotten even better as a defensive coordinator since he's been here. And obviously a lot of that is he's had time with these players to really get his system installed. But like same thing with Brian Dable. I think that his play calling has only gradually improved since he's been here, you know, and obviously with the offense getting better and him getting more weapons. But I I think that the progression you see in the players, you know, you see it in the coaches too. And, you know, why wouldn't you? Because, you know, McBean, this regime has really instilled that belief into everybody. And so it happens everywhere in the building. Like everyone, I bet the, I bet the equipment staff is even better. Can I comment on this? Yeah. Yeah. Can I comment on this? Because like, it's so true and working for the Sabres five years ago, which was a different experience and working for the Pagulas now, uh, when McBean came in. So I, as a guest service worker, we all, there's like hundreds of us and there's hey props to the human resources team for having like, honestly, for human resources, having like the same mission statement for like upper management through everyone else in the building. Like I, it props to that. But anyways, Brando, you, you were saying. But a few years ago, we had a big management change and uh, our bosses was new. They tur- turned it over and he was a, he started as an intern and he's done such a great job uh, with everything that he's done here down to like knowing my name the first time I met him. Like I saw him in the hallway 20 minutes later or two hours later, whatever it was. And I like I wouldn't remember his name if he wasn't my boss, but like uh, he's got 300 employees and down to every little detail about what we can do to make the team better, to have the fan experience be better, to getting drivers home safe every day, to getting you to the game safe, to giving you food, you know, just to to giving back to the local areas with their 50-50 programs that their money goes to the local colleges or the vendors that work at the stadium. They are all local college athletes and they get scholarship money and uh, or even just, you know, the players playing catch with the fans. It's like a whole new world over here. Uh, and, and it's amazing to be a part of. Now, the flip side of that, let's get into Sabres update. It's time for the weekly Sabres update. So, uh, Rando, what's the news on, on Jack Eichel? Uh, looks like the Sabres traded him, right? No. This has been your weekly Sabres update. Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. 
That's why over 130,000 trust Klaviyo to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Klaviyo AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Klaviyo AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Klaviyo AI at klaviyo.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so next up, we got a little bit of Jacksonville preview. Looking forward to next week's matchup. And I mean, I'll be honest, that that matchup doesn't seem super interesting. I, I think that the Bills should win handily in this one as long as they don't have some kind of weird letdown or, or crazy injury or, or setback this week. But anyway, so we thought it'd be we thought it'd be fun to do a different little segment here. And Brandon's Brandon's going to kick this one off. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Brando. Yeah, true, true. But, you know, first off, we got to say Norwell, the guard from Jacksonville, will be playing on Sunday in Jacksonville, but he should be a Bill instead of a Jag. So he could theoretically play his former former team. That's not, Would he be, would he be able to be eligible? Oh, yeah, right. I mean, what's he got? Unless it's COVID rules, he might. Yeah, well, I, I don't know what that. That so. used to vary state by state last year. Like, there used yeah, to be like a 14-day know. period or something like that, but... Yes. Well, I've I have no idea this year. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I hope we find we're, out. I hope we're we too deep in this thing. I can't keep track of these things yeah. anymore. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Well, anyways, on a funnier note, so we have three coaches here: Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick, and John Gruden. They are famous. They are infamous, all for many reasons. Um, so they have all said some goofy stuff, and currently. Urban Meyer, coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, John Gruden in the news, obviously. Bill Belichick. Can you believe Bill Belichick is the least schemiest of the guys that I just said on the list? Man, I can't believe I'm saying that. But they all say funny things. So I got some quotes for you, and you have to tell me out of those three coaches which one said it. Okay, I like this. All right. First quote, the Seahawks defense has to go balls deep to win this game. Wait, who are the three on the list that you said? Belichick, Urban Meyer, and... Former head coach John Gruden. And right. soon to be former head coach Urban Meyer. Falls deep. Well, that sounds like something you might send in a uh, risky office email. Um, so <laughs> give me give me uh, John Gruden on that one. I, th- I think that's got to be Gruden. Ding, ding. Oh, that's cap great. With the check. All right. That's funny. You know, it's so funny. When I was thinking about that one, I thought it would it like my first thought was Bill because I didn't know if it was like one of those like Super Bowl week quotes or something true, like that. True. Then I was like, that's true. Bill Belichick doesn't say any words in those press conferences that contain more than like three or four letters. So but anyway. All right. I got one. Ready? John? Yeah. Yeah. The Colts are luckier than a dog with 14 bones in a bucket to have that kid. Gosh, I'm, I'm guessing the quote is about Andrew Luck. If that's if it's that old, I, I can't I can't picture Bill Belichick saying that, even though I want to say it's him. 
I don't know where anyone would have pulled uh, an Urban Meyer quote about this. Maybe it's because he was at, at at Ohio at that time. So I'm I'm gonna go Urban Meyer on that one. Uh, it was John Gruden on an interview about Andrew Luck. You know, I figured you wouldn't go for two John Grudens in a row, but you, you just I know, I got you. You did, you did. You're playing mind two. games over there. He's, he's a mountain right, of Pat. comedy content. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things. All right, you ready? Remember, Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick, or John Gruden. Knowing that you have a good backup long snapper allows you to sleep well at night. Oh, this is a softball question, Brando. Billy Belichick, bro. Come on. He's all about the long snappers. Bing, He's all about the left footed putters. Bill himself played center and long snapper in college. So like, I, you know, I didn't know partial. that. Really? Yeah. That explains yeah. so many complexes. But anyway, yeah. it does. <laughs> all right. That's good. That's good. All right. Now, uh, this one goes out to either of you, whoever wants to take a stab at it. Remember, Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick or John Gruden. Anyone can run the option. I can run the option. Well, considering, I mean... Alex Smith was like an option king, considering Tim Tebow was like an option king, considering, um, I mean, pretty much all his quarterbacks, even even Cordell Jones, despite being heavy, was an option king. Like I, I think that's got to be an Urban Meyer quote. Like if I had to, if I had to guess. But yes, you are correct. Damn, I'm pretty good at this, man. <laughs> hey, you're kicking yeah. my butt on this. I, John, I, I'll toss you up a softball okay. here. If I if I miss it, it's gonna be bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm not on Snapface. I don't care what they put out there on Insta chat. Oh yeah, that, or that, that's Billy Billy Belichick. I remember yeah. that one. That, that <laughs> was funny. legendary yeah. quote. So was that in response to Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh on Facebook Live? I don't remember. I don't remember either. But I was trying to think about it when I. Well, that's our uh, trivia segment this week. Brought to you by two two discreet coaches and one big slime ball. Well, I think the line is blurred between <laughs> one of those coaches. Three big slime balls. There you go. <laughs> All right, Patty, you want to set us up with a drought salute here? All right, boys. I'd like you to remove your caps. Please remove your hats, lift your drink, and shut your trap as we salute this week's standout of the drought. All right, Buffalo Bills fans. If you are um, carrying a bottle of water, if you're carrying a cup of milk, if you're carrying a 40-ouncer, I want you to toss that to the side for one of our departed homies, okay? This guy spent four years on the Bills, had a crazy road to the NFL. I mean, you know, dude, this literally, I mean, when I read this, I was a little bit interested. The guy was born 10-24, so, um, you know, he just had a birthday one week ago. He's from a place called Whack Off, New Jersey. Um, <laughs> Literally, I mean, that's this pronunciation. Um, he's married to a pediatric foot surgeon. The guy has missed significant time in his eight-plus NFL career, but never had a foot injury. This player, one time on the 2012 season of Hard Knocks, was nicknamed 7-Eleven by a former Heisman Trophy winner. This man, he's a two-time Super Bowl champ. I mean, he was... I guess complimented for his size and he was like six foot and a half, 200 pounds, and then also complimented for his speed, but he ran like a four or five forty. Anyways, one of those dudes looked way better on the field than he did, you know, with those measurables. Never invited to the combine. Only one recorded. That's correct. One recorded. 
college football season. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, he actually primarily played quarterback in college. Um, you know, three passing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, and three interceptions. Playing both ways. Um, he was able to play that last year of football because he had a medical red shirt playing another sport. Um, you know, he had a crazy memory. I remember um, in a Minnesota Vikings game, he, uh, he had a big catch to seal the final play where um, Kyle Orton threw a dime to Sammy Watkins to win the game. Um, some people in Belichick's um, New England circle of friends might refer to him as what Bill's rat-like son Steven wishes that he looked like and accomplished in life. Um, <laughs> so, um, without further ado, um, I'm wondering if you guys would know who this um, this hero of the drought might be. Sounds sounds like a lacrosse player to me. <laughs> uh, it could be. I was thinking about the same thing. I was like torn because he's six foot. Like, oh yeah, no, it's it's definitely Chris Hogan, but it's right? Hogan. That's correct. Yeah, yes. he it's is a seven, he is a better 11. looking, more athletic version of of Stephen Belichick. Um, so. Yeah. He just retired, right? Like just yeah. retired from the league, like like a week ago, yeah. which is crazy because he had a t- he had a receiving touchdown this year too. <laughs> like really, I mean, the dude went on it. Yeah, went on a high note for the Saints. I yeah, mean, he uh, he not like a terribly high AFC, note, but he had completed the AFC East tour, didn't he? Didn't he spend some time in camp with the Jets at least? Yep, all four squads. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Chris Hogan. I mean, one of my favorites. You know, and I remember I, you know, who gave him that nickname, Seven Eleven. Who was it? Reggie Bush. Um, <laughs> nice. But, yeah, man. I remember that season. It was awesome. It was like, um, well, because the season before the Dolphins had had like a big surprise AFC East, like no one thought they would win the division. And then Tony Sperano and the ghost of Chad Pennington assembled. And um, it was like the, the year after that. The noodle arm. The noodle arm himself. <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of great memories. You saw Hunting. a lot of Chad Pennington in his career. Yeah. Dude, between the Jets and the Dolphins, man, like. He had a sweet comb over too, honestly. Marshall, thundering. <laughs> Got a lot of respect for the Marshall guys. But anyways, yeah. Chris Hogan. Oh man. I always when he went to New England, I was I was so ticked. It was just a lot of money for him. Yeah. His numbers weren't even that good. Never had a thousand yard receiving season. His career high receiving yards was six twenty five in a season. I mean, granted, he did play in three Super Bowls, win two of them and averaged like sixty four yards a game in each, but like and that's why he was situationally, he was good and he was athletic and he fit what the Bill Belichick needed. And they needed to replace that Wes Welker add to Julian Edelman. Uh, they just ran such a unique offense with two good underneath targets and Gronk, who's a great underneath target. It is just the perfect storm for them to be good the way that they were. And yeah, man. It's good to see these guys retire. I just wish Brady would next from these teams. <laughs> Real. And like in hindsight... Like, it makes me realize, like, low-key, that Robert Woods, Chris Hogan, Sammy Watkins receiving core was, like, actually, yes, Kyle Orton was good, but, like, he was he was dealing to some guys, man, like, in retrospect. Yeah. I love Rob Woods, man. He was such a nice dude, too, at the stadium. He was there when I first year at the stadium, and I got his glove that he caught the game-winning touchdown on uh, in 2015. He gave it to the lady in the front row, and I wheeled her out of the stadium and she gave Yo. me the glove as a tip. <laughs> so I still have it. And I played intramural flag football with it for 
my freshman year of college. It was great. <laughs> great times. Yeah. Uh, but he was so nice. He would stay signing autographs for everybody. And, and then he was nice on the team. But again, you know, he's not a number one and you needed a number one, but he would have gone great with Robert Woods. But Tyrod did not really utilize him the way that they should have. And, you know, the whole Shady McCoy running the ball so much. We were number one in the league in rushing for like all of the years that he was here. So yeah. it's good to see him now, especially with my boy Matt Stafford balling out in L.A. And he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> all right well i think that's gonna just about wrap it up for this episode make sure you guys come back on friday get some good brando's bets uh obviously obviously vegas had a not vegas vegas had a great week but i think that sports betters everywhere had a kind of a tough week with some of the upsets that happened wah, wah, wah. Yeah. yep yep but we do have we have a ball game dude our our race, our standings are heating up big time. Yeah. Oh, I think there's going to be a lot of red on the schedule this week. I haven't filled out the uh, the Google Doc yet to track. I looked picks, at mine. I looked at mine. I was yeah. Like, I needed some solace after watching some of these games <laughs> yeah. unfold. But yeah, 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 so we'll be back on Friday for Brando's bets, and we'll do our game picks as well, so so we can check on how we're doing, and maybe we'll get Pat to 500 one of these weeks. It's got to get yes. there. That that's our goal for the the season. Like I don't even care who wins. Five hundred. We just got to get Pat back to five hundred. What's well, like that movie, The Cooler, with William H Macy, where they like bring him into the poker rooms and they have him stand by the players that are doing like really really well, and then they start losing. But um, <laughs> Pat, I'm excited. <laughs> Pat, I have, I have advice for you, Pat. Pat did not um, set his fantasy lineup this weekend. I don't think it would have helped because he didn't have a running back to start. So Pat started a running back that was on a bye. And I think all your other running unfortunate, yeah, unfortunate. And he, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much he lost by Patty, but here's, Point here's your free two. tip. Pat is in desperate need of a running back and has an open bench position before you go to bed tonight. Put in a claim for Jeremy McNichols. Wait, dude, I had, I had Ronald Jones out there. I'm pretty sure. Let me take a look. Yeah. One out Was of two Rojo my backs. only back. Yeah, probably. Damn it. Dude, you lost 88.6 to 88.4. Uh, see, I don't, I don't, I don't check my phone enough. I think that's like, with, I rarely, I seldom am on my phone. I don't know what yeah, it is. We, we knew Brandon, we knew, jo- we knew Jacobs was going to be on a buy for like the last eight weeks. True. I guess. You know. John's got a spreadsheet with, with the buys on it. I was going to start one. I didn't get that far. It actually ended up being easier to just oh, scroll okay. through my games and look at where the buys of my opponents are. But yeah. Anyway, hey, Patty, you know, Jeremy McNichols, Tennessee Titans, backup Hello. running back. No, Brandon's Brandon wants him because Brandon had Derrick Henry. So, yeah, this is this is uh, this Brandon, is spoiler alert. Even if Pat doesn't put in a waiver claim, every single person in their sister is going to put in a waiver claim for Jeremy McNichols by Wednesday. <laughs> so, I wonder if Brittany, who listens, shout out to my twin sister who listens to the podcast. She's not putting a claim in because she doesn't play fantasy football. So. Yeah, well, that that's oh, helpful no. <laughs> for your for your case. <laughs> All right, sorry, I need too many guys. Yeah, <laughs> and if nothing else, I'm really excited. Um, we're gonna have a glitch in the matrix possibility um, on Sunday. We could see Josh Allen tackled by Josh Allen. So I'm really I'm really hoping oh, for yeah. that. So forgot about that. That if nothing else, I think we'll make the game watchable for you Jaguar fans. But. Yeah, no. I, interesting great to talk to you guys um you know i'll see you on thursday i just put in a uh, waiver claim you bastards um, <laughs> nice <laughs> on episode you heard it here first sorry brandon <laughs> you got it we'll i gotta see. help pat 
I also lost this week, so I might be higher up on the waiver. Claim. I've, I've texted him twice to set his lineup like less than an hour before kickoff. I forgot to this past week, dude. Well, I don't think I don't think the fire department, the Erie County Police Department, the, the Federal Bureau of Investigation could have gotten a hold of me before that Buffalo Bills game. I was um, preparing so <laughs> much for the game plan and um, uh, broadcast preparation that I was very much unreachable. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Make sure you uh, give us a follow on Twitter if you haven't already at not buff podcast. And uh, you can check out our handles in the bio there if you want to follow any of us uh, hooligans. But all right. Well, I'll see you guys here on Friday then. Take care, gentlemen. Bye.